live in a two-dimensional world. We won't go in one direction or see where we can zap. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. It's Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. Three, two, hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. What's up everyone? How you all doing today? It's been a lovely weekend, of course. I had a four-day weekend thanks to the holiday. So if you celebrate Thanksgiving out there, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, and I hope that you have a nice weekend as well. This podcast is going to cover news between last episode, which was uh, the 20th of November, and this episode, which is the 28th of November. That's right, December is right around the corner, and with that comes a new contest that is going to be in my Discord. If you aren't a part of the Discord and you want to join, my links for the Discord are on Twitch, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, if you want to join, just uh, check it out. We have a contest that will be go- well, be starting up December 1st. That's right. I'm not going to reveal anything about it yet, but just know that it's about the GOTY, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, but information about that is coming out December 1st, so if you're a follower of the channel or if you're a follower of the podcast, um, this might be an easier one for you to guess, but, uh, hey, hey, let's move on. <laughs> so, the biggest news today, guys, is I finally did it. I finished Last of Us Part 2. Um, the funny thing is that I finished Miles Morales around, like, I want to say around, like, 7, and I was doing, like, all this various odd stuff with, and I 100%ed the, uh, the the first playthrough, and you need to do New new Game Plus in order to get the 100% on the on the game in general. And while I, you know, while I, while I was doing that, I was getting a little frustrated, you know, because I was dropping my combos and stuff like that. So I said, you know what, I'll just stop, I'll, I'll watch a little YouTube, come back to it. But instead of going back to it, I was like, you know what, it's 8 o'clock, I'll play some Last of Us. Because it's nice to play that game at night, because most of the stuff takes place at night, the lighting looks better at night. I don't have, like, you know, outside light breaking in to, to put sheens on my TV screen. So I ended up playing from around 8 o'clock at night through about 2 o'clock. When the credits started rolling, it was about 2 o'clock. And, um, you know, I, I was up in bed at night kind of thinking about it for a little bit, but I finally got some sleep. Um, so I guess you're all wondering, you know, what's the big scoop? I mean, we've heard this and that about it, but what's your, what's your final thoughts? And this will be a spoiler discussion. If you don't want to be spoiled for Last of Us Part Two, um, you may want to uh, click up to a, f- a part ahead in the in the video, or I'm sorry, in the podcast. I'm guessing probably around to the 10 minute mark is where I'll stop, but I don't have like a price, you know, a, a stoppage point. So if you hear me talking about Last of Us, just kind of skip ahead even more. Um, I'll try and put a timestamp in the description because I know there's a lot of people who haven't played it yet. There's a lot of people who haven't, you know, finished it yet, like myself. But there are also a lot of people who've already been spoiled for the game. Like I was a little bit, you know, I was I was spoiled going into the ending. You know, no big deal. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who care about that stuff, and I don't want to be the one to spoil it for you if you don't want to hear anything about it. But if you do want to hear my thoughts on the game. 
stick around. Let me know what you think, um, because this game has been like um, a yin and yang for a lot of people. There's people who absolutely love it, and there's people who absolutely despise it. And I understand both of the directions. I'm more so. I'm so. I'm, I'm more so on the side of. Um, I don't know, yin, would that be good? Yin, good, good. Um, I, I felt like the game in general, like as a whole, was an excellent experience. And it's one that is worth having. I mean, even just for the gameplay and graphics alone and the sound design and the music and, and stuff like that. And if, if you are attached to these characters from The Last of Us, you know, it continues their story, of course. Now, whether you agree with how they continue the story or not is neither here or there. I mean, the Naughty Dog wrote the story. They, they have complete ownership over the story and there's nothing that we can do personally to change that outcome and honestly um i'm not that big i'm not gonna i'm like i'm not a huge like critic of this game's writing um i, I think that the story beats are good and i think that overall the 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 story is is well done it's just the structure of the story how they put it together i like to equate it to like a hamburger right you have the you have a bun on the bottom then a patty then cheese and then you know maybe some lettuce and onion and tomato and then you put you know ketchup and and mustard and pickles and mayo on the top and then the the other bun and you got a good sandwich that's what i say about that, that that's that's my that's my way of saying you know how a story structure should go right um, and Bug Snacks, like I was saying, uh, I think last week's episode I was talking about Bug Snacks, and Bug Snacks has a good coherent story, and it's actually I think the story structure is actually better in Bug Snacks than it is in Last of Us Part Two. And if Last of Us Part Two had a better structure to its story, then yeah, it would be a perfect game to me. But because of the fact that the story structure is is weak in comparison to a game like you know Bug Snacks or, or even Assassin's Creed Valhalla, then you go, well. I, you you also kind of chalk it, chalk it down to uh, it's two very different games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Last of Us Part Two. You know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is like this huge, expansive, you know, hours upon hours expanding world, and there's a bunch of random things you can do. But and the Last of Us Part Two, you're playing literally the story that they wrote for you, and you're going through these scenarios that they have written for you and, and designed for you. And there's really no way to deter that unless you want to do a stealth approach or a you know guns blazing approach. And, um, the story, so the story structure, let me get back to my hamburger analogy, because I feel like the story is a little bit lopsided, right? You have that, that, that first bun on the, on the ground, well, on the plate, not the ground. You don't want to eat food off the ground. Um, yummy tip, number 70, someone write that down. Um, <laughs> but essentially you have that piece of bread and it's the bottom and it's, 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 it's the basis of the story and it's what helps build the rest of that hamburger or cheeseburger in this case, cause I said cheeseburger. And essentially what they did is, yeah, you have that base bun on the ground when the story opens. It kind of recap, you know, what happened at the end of The Last of Us Part 1, and then, you know, it shows Joel and Ellie driving away in their car. What they should have done immediately after that, and we're getting to the spoilers talk here, is to have you play as Abby when she's a kid... And you don't know that it's happening before that previous scene, and essentially you build up doing the zebra thing, and then doing the the part in the hospital where he's you know, the doctor's talking to the leader of the Fireflies about Ellie, and then you realize, oh, this is actually before that scene. And essentially, what you do is you follow Abby into this, you know, through her scene where she finds her dad killed by Joel, and the other doctors are either injured or hurt or dead. I mean, I don't remember exactly about the other ones, but I know that the the one you. Know, you know, her, her father, who was the main doctor, died, and that starts her story of revenge. 
which would make you understand more so why she does what she does in this game. And I know that, like, they kind of want to put the story structure so that you're not sure or that you're just immediately just pissed off at her when the event happens and you don't know anything about Abby. And essentially, through, like, the first, like, whole part of the game, the first half of the game, um, you, the only thing you know is that Abby is the bad person and you want to take her out because she killed one of your favorite characters or, you know, you know, Joel, Ellie's, you know, father figure in this game. But there's a lot more things in that are layered on top of this 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 cheeseburger that don't get introduced until like the middle of the game or after Seattle Day 1, 2, and 3 that really would have been more impactful if those things had happened before what happened you know joel kicks the bucket right and essentially what happens in this game is you go through like an hour of the game you play as ellie um you're doing things around the the community and then you go off on a patrol with dina and uh, you you have the uh, the sex scene and then on the other end of the spectrum you play as abby for the first time ever and she's you know, hunting down Joel, but you don't know that exactly yet. And then you get to you, you get to the uh, ski resort, and Joel takes you to a uh, house, and or no, Abby takes Joel and and Tommy back to the house where her allies are, and they they beat the living crap out of them, out of both of them, really. Um, and essentially, at that point, you haven't done really anything with. Joel, right? He's just kind of been there. There's a little bit of weird tension between Joel and Ellie that you don't understand, like why it feels awkward all of a sudden. Um, and essentially through the game, you're playing these like flashbacks with Joel after like Seattle Day One. After Seattle Day One, you do like this whole like you know, hist um yeah history museum bout with Joel in the past with Ellie, and it's it's great. And then there's another one that comes after like I think Seattle Day Two where you're with Tommy and he's teaching you how to hunt or whatever or use a sniper rifle and then you and Joel go into like this hotel and you 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 barge through the hotel and all that um we'll see how day three hits at the end of that one you go back and do Abby's part of the story and I think that there's a little bit of a weird layering there I I, I just I feel like I feel in my heart that you should have played you know, done Abby's beginning story, then switched over to Joel and Ellie and say, like, you know, a few years later or whatever, and you're doing the History Museum, and then at the same time, you do the Abby thing where she's, you know, going to Seattle and joining the Wolves because the Fireflies have disbanded, um, and then you switch to, you know, you're trying to, you can switch in back and forth between these characters during a time where leveling and crafting and, and all that stuff doesn't really matter, per se, and you can get all that stuff out of the way, essentially, and then you move into to the main crux of the story where you know you're playing as ellie and you know the the sex scene happens and you you, you run to joel and then you play as abby at the same time like they did in the beginning of the game where you know you're you're finding joel in the in the in the ski resort and you're taking out all these you know fungi <laughs> creatures and and eventually he gets uh, he gets whack-a-mold right and I feel like that would have had such a such a bigger impact, and I think that people would have appreciated, I mean, not appreciated, but would have been more accepting of the fate if we had more time with Joel before uh, he gets whacked in the head and, and killed. Because that's like in the first like hour and a half of the game as Joel kicks the bucket, and yes, that is surprising, and yes, it does catch you off guard. But it doesn't make sense narratively to just kill him off right away, essentially. I mean, it's good for a jolt. I get it, 
But having, at least having Ellie's part of the story with Joel where, you know, Joel lies to her for all these years and then she finally goes back to the hospital and finds out the truth and Joel has to, you know, tell the truth in order for her to come back to the city at least and, and live uh, and live there instead of running away. And then the rekindling starts to happen um, you know, right before, you know, the, 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 uh, the official beginning of the game. And I like that the, you know, the rekindling stuff started to happen at the very end of the game. I didn't mind that, you know, it, it, it was, it was like putting the, it was, it was like putting the cheese at the top, right? It was like, it, it was a nice little emotional beat and you go, okay, so they did start to rekindle before everything happened, which is why Ellie was so distraught. I mean, she still probably would have been distraught either way, but um, I, I feel like be, because of the fact that we know that Joel was starting to rekindle this relationship with her very slowly, albeit, um, that it was, it was all for nothing because he, he pretty much died the next day. Um, so that's my whole, that's, that's the reason why I'm not like a huge fan of the narrative structure in it, because you have that bottom bun and then immediately you put like a lettuce and then the meat goes on top of the lettuce and the lettuce gets soggy, right? And you put the, you put the tomato and then the cheese and the cheese like sticks to the tomato and the tomato tastes weird because the cheese and the tomato are mixing together in a weird way. And then for whatever reason, they decide to put the mayonnaise on the cheese and then they put the pickles on there, but it's not like a full, it's like, it's like the ends of the pickle, you know, how the cucumbers have two ends it's like the end of the cucumber pickle, right? It's on the top of the bun there. And then they have the onion, and then they have the ketchup, and they put the bun on, the top bun on, and then they put mustard on top of the bun. And, and you go, this is weird. It kind of works because it still tastes like a burger, right? But essentially, it's it's weird to you because it's in such a weird order. And that's exactly how I feel about this game narratively. Anyone who's stopping in here from the 10-minute mark, I apologize because I'm still talking about The Last of Us. Maybe checking in about 20 minutes, honestly. But I'm still... I, th that is exactly how I feel about this game. Is like It's a weirdly... It's a weirdly put-together burger that still tastes good, but it's weird to eat because it's in such a weird order. You know, like I said before, Joel's death would have been so more, so much more impactful if we had just had more time with him building up to that instead of going back in time to meet with him or do the things with him and, and learn more about the backstory. And the same thing goes for Abby because Abby's a real big part of the reason why people don't like this game. And essentially, I actually thought that Abby's character was better than Ellie's at the end of the game. I feel like she had, she had learned more of her lesson, quote unquote than Ellie had towards the end of the game, and I will tell you why. Because even though this, this The Last of Us Part 2's main theme is revenge, right? Vengeance or whatever, revenge. Abby's story is more about repentance, I guess I want to call it. You know, um, maybe not forgiveness, but just atoning for for sins or whatever. Um, I'm, um, I'm trying to figure out the right word for it, but essentially Ellie's side of the story is revenge, and she's hell-bent on revenge, and there's nothing that will stop her from getting her revenge, which is why we slaughter through tons of wolves and Abby's friends just to try to get to Abby, and in the end, Abby finds them because, of course, Ellie kills all of her friends. Um, but you don't have any emotional connection to these people until Abby's story starts, and that's when you kind of feel like the shoe-wind parts, where it's like, oh, you should feel bad for this person because this happened before Ellie died. Oh, you should feel, feel bad because this lady was pregnant when Ellie killed her. Oh, you should feel bad because this guy was Abby's boyfriend, or, you know, whatever, undercover boyfriend, what do you want, whatever you want to say. And that stuff, like, I, I, I can go back and be like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, I, I understand 
what they tried to do here, but it didn't really work because we didn't have an emotional connection to these characters other than they helped kill Joel, they should die. They should die. That's exactly what you're saying during the game. And once Ellie realizes that she killed a pregnant woman, which reminds her of Dina, then things change with Ellie, and actually, you actually immediately stop playing as Ellie at that point. Um, the next the next scene is just, you know, you're walking through the theater and you're hearing, hearing a commotion and then you walk in, the the one guy gets capped in the head and and you um you're you're faced with faced with Abby and that's when it switches to Abby's side of the story for the next, you know, six or eight hours of the game. The other half the final half of the well not the final half, but the next half of part of the game. Um, and you go back through those stories. So as you go back through Abby's side of things from Seattle day one, two, and three, which is how many days that Ellie was in Seattle searching for Abby, those three days you're going through as Abby and you're seeing her be, um, you know, she, she obviously regrets what she did. They, they don't outright say it, but you can tell and you can, and, and the main thing is she, to try and atone for her, for her egregious action, she takes in these two kids from the, the sworn enemies of the wolves who were named the scars. And, uh, she learns to, she learns that they're not so different from the wolves other than the fact that they don't use normal technology. They don't use like, you know, advanced technology, like, like they, the wolves do. And she learns that these, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, it's, it's a whole community and blah, blah, blah. And, and she learns, the, the, you know, whatever. You know, I, I, all I want to say is, like, there, there's the two different sides of this story. And I think that Abby's side of the story is a lot stronger at the end because she actually learn I mean I'm gonna say learns a lesson but it sounds kitty but she actually learns her lesson she tries to atone for those things and even when she's beating Ellie and almost ready to kill Dina she lets them go because she because because she, she knows that they're not the real reason that her dad died right it was Joel he's already gone out of the picture and even then she still feels bad about killing Joel just because of the way that she was raised by her father to be you know more caring and stuff like that so, in a long way of saying this, at the end of the game, the very end of the game, when Ellie and Abby are are, are are fighting, it doesn't make sense that Ellie goes all in and has to fight Abby. You could have Ellie walk across California and to find Abby and actually save Abby in a strange, ironic twist. Well, not really a twist, but in, 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 it's a little bit of an ironic moment that, moment that Ellie saves Abby. But then it's even more ironic that Abby in, in, in this, just almost immediately when they're about to leave goes i can't let you leave and then in an even bigger twist she decides oh you know what you can leave <laughs> it's just one of those things like the ending isn't strong and i feel like they could have done the ending a little bit differently like you can still have ellie have ptsd and you can still have her you know have these demons that she she thinks that killing abby will solve and then she has that clarity moment at the end of the game where you do have that scene with joel and she's she, and she's talking and he's talking to ellie in the, you know and you can still have that scene happen but just don't have them fight i understand you need like a big bombastic fight scene and it's like okay you know you really want to kill this person right and it's like well actually at that point of the game i didn't actually really want to and I guess it does. I mean, I I would I would I would ask for you know maybe some player input right there where it's like oh you can choose the killer or let her let her be and I feel like most people if they've been following the game and they're invested in the game and you know they kind of understand the game would would vote to to let her go and I, me personally that would be the thing that I would do. 
I, I, I really felt for Abby in the end, and I, I, I think that a lot of people take her character for granted, and they don't, they don't like, they don't understand what Naughty Dog did with, with the writing. The, and uh, I, I think that a lot of people just they see her as, oh, you killed Joel. Well, fuck you, kind of thing. And in the end, I really don't see it that way. I see it as two sides of a story. One of them being about revenge, and one of them being about uh, uh, repent to repentance. You know, atone, atonement. And she really does. And the fact of the matter is that Abby and um, the child that she saves, they're stuck in a slave labor camp for two months before Ellie finds her. And she's on the and Abby's on the verge of death along with the kid. They just got put on like these racks or whatever, or these these poles that you know the birds are supposed to come by and pick at them and, and kill them, kind of like in the old medieval times. And, and 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 Ellie helps her down like you think that she Ellie's about to kill her right there but she helps her down she lets her put the kid in the boat and she's about to untie the boat and that's when Ellie stops her and it's like well don't like Ellie as a character should see that like Abby's been through e- like even more hell than what Ellie has been through with Joel dying Joel was one person that Ellie lost and I mean, I, I guess you could also n- um, count the other guy who died with with Ellie in there but that's two lives for you know, Abby to be in this, like, yeah, you know, you, you can even, yeah, I don't, I don't have to explain myself that much, but I'm just saying, like, it's, it's one of those things that's like, put myself in, in that person's shoes, no matter how much vengeance I have on my mind, I think they've served, I think they've, they've gotten their just desserts at that point, you know, they're still alive, sure, well, that's the thing, like, manipulation comes into play at the end as well, where Tommy comes over and he's like, Ellie, you've made me a promise, and that, that triggers, you know, more of her, all of this to happen. Um, and I think they did a good job of, like, representing um, post-traumatic stress disorder with both characters, honestly. Um, so through the game, I mean, it's it's a it's an excellent narrative, but the structure is just really, really off with my cheeseburger analogy, which I hope makes sense. Um, and all in all, like, the gameplay is really good. It's, like, the gameplay is, like, the, the side of fries, right? Um, you know, the, the, the sound design and music, they're kind of like the drink, you know? Um, your dessert is, is the beautiful graphics, and, and it, it runs really, really well, even on my old original PS4. It still looks great, still plays great. Um, and you can't say that about a lot of these next-gen games, which, I mean, Last of Us Part 2 isn't, isn't next-gen per, oh, excuse me. Last of Us Part Two isn't next gen quotation quotation because it came out in you know the PS4 era, but essentially it is a next gen game with how it looks and all that stuff, and they really put a lot into the performances and into the motion capture and into just all the different places that you go to and they mapped out Seattle almost perfectly like while you're playing through it if you visited Seattle you go I kind of remember this place I think I was here you know at one point. And one of my favorite parts of this game is where they, they, it's on Seattle day one, you just went through the forest, you just get out of the forest and you see like this open area and you see Seattle and all the buildings in the background, and they just let you go and explore. And I know that Naughty Dog likes to do this in a lot of their games, like Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy and stuff like that, where they give you that one level that's like, mm, mm, bellissimo, mm, 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 mm. you know, it's, it's, it's exploration with, with story elements attached to it and special things that you can find. And, you know, you can find in this game, you can find a weapon early instead of waiting around to find a shotgun, you find it inside of a bank vault. And you just, it's, just, it's just, it's just such a 
great way to start you into this adventure. You can go to a guitar shop and play a song for Dina. You can go to, like I said, you can go to this bank that, that's in a building and, and there's still like zombies and there, fungi people in there and, 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 and you get through all of them and you get a shotgun in the end of it all and, and you you find out more and more about this war between the federal enforcers and the wolves and the wolves have been there for years and years and years now and they've watched their city change and they've it's, it's, it's traded hands so many times and um you know all these like these letters that you find and and you read and there's lots of backstory and stuff like that and it's like it would have been cool to live through that sure or play the game through that i should say but what's you know but but they're able to tell like a whole story in the background of this main story about the wolves versus versus the feds or the federal defense and uh, it's it's really an interesting story, and there's so many unique and fun and interesting things that happen in this game, including like you know drawing stuff in Ellie's notebook, and you know just being able to play a, a pretty much a fully <laughs> a, a, a guitar in the game. You can just you can literally play any any chords that you want, and you can play any song that you want essentially. And it's just, it's so interesting and it's so unique and cool. And this game has gone above and beyond what you would expect a normal video game to do. It, it, it goes above and beyond on almost every aspect, um, including including the, the writing. It, it, it is a really well-written game. Like I keep saying, it's just the structure of this story is just a little bit bonkers to me. And I think that's why the main criticism, like if we had played, if we had played this game like a ham, like a, a regular cheeseburger, I think a lot more people would be um, more accepting of the way that things turned out. But of course, they, they kind of, they took a weird, weird way with it. But I, I think that this game is really, it is like 90, 90%, 99% perfect, maybe 95% perfect. Um, there's just a few minor things during the story that I kind of didn't like, but then the structure is also one of those bigger things that kind of knocks off some points. And in the end, I got to give it like a nine, maybe even a nine and a half. I don't know. I, cause I, I know there's a lot of outlets, including IGN because they're so respectable that gave it a 10 out of 10 right away. And, you know, I understand like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's very cutting edge and it's very ahead of its time right now. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't agree with a perfect score, right? I just, I, I, there are very few games that are a 10 out of 10, right? There's very few games. And when you have a company or you have a magazine that's rating Madden only a point below The Last of Us Part 2, you know that they're not to be taken seriously. And I say that for IGN, I say it for Game Informer, I say it for whoever is, is reviewing games. Take their reviews as a grain of salt because it's your opinions that matter the most to you. You may not like The Last of Us Part Two. You can explain your 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 stuff to me. I will listen, but I don't have to agree with what you say. Which is the same thing for a Game Informer review, an IGN review. You know, the swagger of a black teen. Like this, it's just cringe. And it's like it's one guy who is talking about a game, and it's one person from that company who is talking about a game. And and you know, he he gave it the score that he gave it for the reasons that he listed in his review. There's some reviews that go on on about the negative aspects of a game but still end up giving it like an 8 or a 9 out of 10 and I see that the most with the with the Madden and the sports games because they don't want to rate these games low they want to keep these ratings high on these games because they want you know I don't know they, it, it's it's so weird to me because those games have gone downhill so much but 
a game like Last of Us Part Two, like if a publication gives it a nine or a nine and a half, you know, like I I, I don't I I I don't know. I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is a company that gives a game a ten out of ten, yet they give a crappy sports game a nine or something. I just I can't take them seriously. And I read their reviews and I go, yeah, there's some substance in here, but you know, it's not amazing and anyone who listens to this podcast i really hope you understand like i just i just talk from the heart for of about video games and i hope that my points are valid enough in that i've i've kind of proven that i kind of you know i i, I kind of know my stuff I've, I've done tons of reviews in these past few episodes and i really do hope that you know i hope they're good you know i it's one of those things it's like i kind of second guess myself essentially after recording a podcast i go well, should i take this out and i never take anything out i always keep it all in and i think it's and i think it's mostly because i really i just want to be genuine i just want to i just want to talk about a game openly and this podcast is about just that talking about video games openly in a in a setting that allows me to i don't feel any pressure from anyone to give it any score to give it any rating because it's all about my experience and the reason why it took me so long to play this game was just because of that i was i was not i was not playing it to give it a score i was not playing it to get it finished as fast as i can so i can write a review or talk about it on the podcast i wanted to take my time with it sure i gave some first impressions sure i've said this here or there you know just in in passing but i've not really talked about the game because i I don't like to talk about games until I'm like I've done with at least the main story, you know, which is why I'm going to talk about Miles Morales next. But to 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 be perfectly honest, that's my opinion, and I hope I hope that uh, I've done a good job here. I know that um, people who are going to tune in at the uh, after this because they don't want spoilers, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, once they do hear. Or play the game themselves. Hopefully they'll come back and, and listen to me. There's a lot of good commentators out there. Or people who do like essays on video games. Ren's Reviews, Nicky Jakey, even Video Game Donkey. And even though I've watched all their videos, I, st- I just can't agree with everything that they say, right? Um, because it's, me, it's, it's their personal opinion versus my personal opinion. And I think my personal opinion overweighs their personal opinion about it. And I think that that goes for anyone, you know? So anyways, um, Last of Us Part 2, it, it, it was a great experience. Um, I would, I would, I'm probably going to go through it on New Game Plus eventually, but right now I'm just trying to play um, some games for the end of the year, and um, I'll be talking about those games, of course, as I finish them. Um, but uh, it, it's just, it was a great experience. I just, just the story structure in general just wasn't jiving with me. Um, but I think everything else about it is is really high quality, and I, I think that they that and anyone who worked on this game, whether it be from Naughty Dog or overseas or wherever, should be proud of the product that they put out. Um, it's it has a lot of different messages in there, has a lot of different representation in there. The accessibility of the game is off the charts um, in terms of like color blindness, uh, blindness in general, uh, uh, you know, a- anything. You know, they 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 thought of pretty much everything. And a lot of games are putting that in there, like Watch Dogs and stuff like that, where they, they actually have someone narrating the text on the screen or, or something like that. To, and it really does it, re, it really does open the doors for accessibility. And I think that The Last of Us Part Two opened those doors. It was the first game this year to open those doors as wide as, as they did. And uh, that's really commendable and really should be respected. Um, and, uh, yeah. I think that's all I want to say about that. Um, 
Okay, so if you're joining in from, so that was 30 minutes, and that was almost exactly 30 minutes talking about Last of Us Part 2. If you're just joining in, I'm going to be talking about Miles Morales and spoilers for Miles Morales. Um, so if you don't want those spoilers, um, I will also put a timestamp for that in the description as well. <sighs> Here we go. So Miles Morales, Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, I, th- I think that the game is a little short IMO in my opinion. Um, mostly because when I got to the end of this game and I wanted to do a new game plus, I realized that only like a day ago or two days ago, I was playing like the second level in the game. And I was like, dang, it really didn't take me that long at all. Yes, I did like the 100% for all the, you know, for, for everything for the regular game. But when I started doing a new game plus, I was just kind of bored because I had just played through all of that, that I, that I just literally, like, it was so fresh in my mind, it was almost like it was an hour ago, you know, um, but all in all, I think the story is strong, and what, what, what I liked about the story is, even though it didn't have a lot of time to develop characters, it did do justice to 90% of the characters in there, I think the only one that didn't get enough time was Simon Krieger, and I think that Finn is right below him, because, Essentially, what happens is you meet a character, like, let's say you meet, you know, you meet Miles' uncle, and, you know, literally in the next part of the game, he finds out that you're Spider-Man, and then literally in the next part of the game, you find out that he's the Prowler, and then, you know, it's one of those things, it's like, it goes a little bit fast, because there's not, you know, it's, it's not a very long story, and calling this an expanded DLC, I think that's justified, um, even though it's more than just a DLC, because it's like, almost everything about the game is, has changed, you have this entirely different character, a new story, the original Spider-Man's completely out of the picture for the most part, um, it's the same map of New York, essentially, just with a few different buildings here or there, um, and, and I, I thought that the, the story itself was, it was really, really well done, and I liked all the side missions, I liked all the, um, you know, the special stuff that you can collect and get and stuff like that, and essentially, I, I thought that it did, had a really strong story to it, especially at the end of it all, I, I felt like it was a really emotional and, in, and, and impactful ending, um, and actually, I think the ending of this game was better than the original Marvel Spider-Man game for the PS4. Not only was the ending boss fight a lot more interesting, but also the ending, like a- the actual ending, ending was a lot more emotional. It had a bit, it had a better bite to it than you know Spider-Man versus Doctor Octopus or Doc Ock. Um, but essentially, the the ending boss fight was you know it was it was, it was like three or four different. Um, different fights kind of combined with 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 the tinkerer and essentially um you know like each 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 wave has a different she 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 uses different powers essentially and it was really interesting to kind of learn her moves and, and work around getting around them um another great fight in the game was the rhino fight the second time you fight rhino and the first time's pretty fun too but that's the opening fight and it goes by like that um, but the second fight with Rhino was actually, was, re- was actually really, really fun too. Um, I felt like it was a little bit more basic than any of the other fights that you'd played in the series in general, but I still, th- I, I found that it was pretty fun and, um, I liked the, the take on it where he was hired, you know, he was actually acquired by Roxxon and, you know, they, they, uh, they beefed him up to be super Rhino or whatever. And I, I, I like that part of the game, but then at the end, I mean, I'm going to switch, I'm going to switch gears here. Stop talking about the boss fights and talk about the story a little bit more because at the end of that very level where you beat Rhino with the Tinkerer, she immediately goes off on you and, and it just all of a sudden hates you all of a sudden. You lied to me, all that bullshit. 
And I just I felt like it was it was a weird way to take the story. Of course, it had to happen. And if we had more time with this game, like we do with Marvel Spider-Man, I'm sure it would have been fleshed out a little bit more, especially with the Prowler stuff and the Tinkerer stuff, and Simon Krieger, of course. Um, but all, but in general, I thought that it was a good it was a good game. The one thing that's really, really holding this game back is the amount of glitches that I had during this playthrough. And yes, I am playing on the PS4, and yes, the game is optimized for the PS5 in general. Um, but they, there was just so many glitches that happened to me where I, I just, I don't know what happened. You know, I like there was one part where um, you go through a doorway and there's a bunch of guys there. And what I did is I went through stealth mode. And essentially what happened is one of the guys glitched through a wall and was in the other area that was closed off now because of rubble falling. And I had to restart checkpoint. Um, there was another time where the generator that I was trying to generate wouldn't power up. And I had to restart the game in order to try and get it to, to power up. And I also feel like some of my button inputs just aren't working. As I was saying earlier, like at the beginning of this episode, which was a long time ago at this point, um, essentially... Uh, I, I just feel like my button inputs aren't exactly registering in the game. And I've tested my controller. The, the O button works fine. Everything works fine. It's just sometimes when I'm pressing the dodge button, the, the guys will just it, it hit me anyways. And it's just like, okay. And it's just it's just one of those frustrating things. And that's why I stopped playing yesterday um, with the New Game Plus. Another reason why I stopped playing with the New Game Plus. Um, but all in all, it's a, it's a great story. Miles is a great character, and at this point, you wonder what they're going to do with the next Spider-Man game, because essentially, you have Miles, who is leagues better or more fun to play as than the regular Spider-Man. Sorry, sorry, Peter, but it's just it's a fact, honestly. Um, the different moves that Miles has and the story that he has is so much more interesting than Peter's story. And essentially, what are they going to do now that they have this really strong character and they have another game coming out? I'm wondering if they're going to either... They're probably either going to have it be playable with two different Spider-Men or they're going to have Miles go off on a vacation and leave Peter in charge of New York. Something on the opposite spectrum of what happens in this game. Or they're going to nerf Miles and uh, they're not going to have him be in, in a big part of the story, which would be a real crime to Miles because he's a, such a great character. I also felt like the spider suits in this game were better than the original game as well, the uh, Marvel Spider-Man. Um, I liked how they looked better. And actually, one of the coolest things is like during the campaign, you can use any suit that you want, even the one with the cat on, in the backpack at the end of the game during New Game Plus. And there will be wear and tear on any suit that you wear at the end of the game, which, you know, is is not usual for a game like this where you can have multiple suits. You know, usually it would be like, ah, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of scuff here or there. But in this game, like, your suit's actually, like, getting destroyed and battered and stuff like that. I was wearing the, um, the all-metal suit that, like, could morph to your skin or whatever uh, that you get through a side mission. And it actually had like holes and stuff in it, and like it would it was glowing underneath. Um, when I was playing with the Prowler suit, like there were cracks in that as well. And I just thought that that was such an, a a good idea to design these costumes to be able to be played no matter what. You're able to play it with them, and it actually looks like they 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 they're supposed to be there, you know. So, ooh, excuse me. That's one of those things that I liked about the game too, where you know they didn't they didn't skimp on anything. Um, and I, I, I think that, uh, that, that's, that's, that's probably one of the best parts of the game is like, it, it actually, f it, it has a lot of heart in it, has a lot of interesting ideas. They put a lot of work and time into it and it makes you more excited for the next game because once again, they, at the end of the, the very end of the game, they, they, um, they teased Venom. It was almost like a, it was a very similar cutscene, but it was just, just different enough. 
Um, I'm not going to spoil that if you haven't seen it, but it, it's a it's a nice little segue, I guess you could say. It, you know, kind of he kind of starts to thinking about what's going to happen, and hey, maybe in the next game we'll be able to play with Venom powers, kind of like in um, Ultimate Spider-Man on the PS2 and GameCube, um, where you could play as Spider-Man and you can also play as Venom. Um, that would be kind of cool, you know, instead of having Miles as a playable character, have Venom in there. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's one of those things we'll have to wait and see, of course, but, it, you know, it got me thinking, you know, maybe, 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 maybe. Um, so, all in all, I'd probably give this one, like, a nine out of t- a solid 9 out of 10 or a 4 out of 5. Last was Part 2 was, like, a 4.5 or a 9.5. Um, and uh, I, I did enjoy my time with it. I would recommend to the people who like the original Spider-Man game, um, and I would recommend to the people who also are just fans of superhero games in general. Like maybe you thought that the original Spider-Man game kind of looked kind of boring. Well, this one has a lot of special moves in it that are like really, really fun to use, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I, I liked my time with it, and I'm I'm happy to have played it all the way through. And uh, this is me telling you that if you haven't played it yet, and you have and you want to play it, just go ahead and pick it up. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> all right so that is the end of spoilers for for miles that's the end of spoilers for miles all right okay i'm gonna save i'm gonna save talking about yes i'm gonna save talking about god of war 2 until next episode because this one had a lot of important things that i had to get to but let's get it in let's get into some news today um some news yes so the Joystick Awards were um, were presented this past weekend uh, at the on Twitch, I should say, and this was presented by Game Radar. Uh, this is the 38th annual Joystick Awards. Now, why the Joystick Awards doesn't get the same amount of hype as the Game Awards, I'll never know. Um, the Joystick Awards seems to be more of like an um, not really like Oscars, but it seems to be more. I don't know. I I don't know what to say, but. Um, I, I do like the Joystick Awards. It was a nice presentation. I didn't live stream it because it was live stream at a weird time. Um, but it's, I'm just going to go through the list of stuff. And um, if you have a comment, just uh, weigh in. <laughs> uh, essentially, so the uh, best storytelling for Last was Part Part 2. Now, like I said, the narrative in the game isn't bad. It's just the structure. And I don't think that... I don't, I don't think that deserves the best storytelling because of that structure. But congratulations to them. Uh, best multiplayer game... Fall Guys, you know, that's fine. I I, I like that pick. Uh, best visual design, Last of Us Part Two, definitely agree with that. Best game expansion, No Man's Sky Origins. Now, I I mean they have a lot of different things for No Man's Sky, obviously. Um, but the, I mean on this list there wasn't really much that I would. I, that I would personally vote for. Um, I think that the only one that I think would have been better would be either Mortal Kombat 11's Aftermath DLC or the Outer Worlds DLC that came out, which was a big expansion. Um, but all the other things, I, I understand why they weren't chosen. Uh, mobile Game of the Year, Lego Builder's Journey. I have no clue what that is. Best Audio Design, Last of Us Part Two. I agree with completely. Best Indie Game, Hades, a good pick. Uh, the other games on that list um, were pretty good contenders with uh, Splunky 2 and um, Creeks was also a pretty interesting game as well that I haven't gotten to play yet. Um, I, it's missing a few games on here, though, that I would personally have picked. 
Uh, still playing, the game that you're still playing, Minecraft won. Of course it's going to win. Studio of the Year was Naughty Dog. Esports Game of the Year was Modern Warfare. Best Streamer Broadcaster was I Am Brandon. Best Family Game was Fall Guys. Best Gaming Community was Minecraft, which I, may, I don't think I agree with. Best Performer was Sandra Saad, who is who plays Kamala Khan in the Marvel's Avengers game. Now, I don't wholeheartedly agree with this one. I felt like her character was not great. Um, I, I mean, you guys already know my thoughts from last last week's episode on the Game Awards. Uh, breakthrough Award for uh, Among Us by Inner Sloth. Um, outstanding contribution to the industry. The gaming industry <laughs> must be a, yeah. PC Game of the Year is Death Stranding. Uh, best gaming hardware was the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080. Uh, so here's the ones that I, I enjoy that they do. They break down each of the platforms. So you have um, the best PC game, PlayStation game, Xbox game, and Nintendo game. I think that this is a good way to do it because the best PlayStation game was Last of Us Part 2. The best Xbox game was Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And the best Nintendo game was Animal Crossing New Horizons. I, I totally agree with all those picks. Even though I didn't enjoy Ori and the Will of the Wisps as much as the first game, which I'm kind of in the... I'm in the minority about. I still think it's a great game. Um, the most wanted game. This is uh, that goes to God of War Ragnarok. The critics' choice. So the game that had the highest critical rating was Hades, and the ultimate game of the year was The Last of Us Part Two. Dos. Part Dos. And that was up against uh, Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Half Life Alex, uh, Miles Morales, Ghost of Sushi. There's a bunch of them here that that were on the list. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see Last of Us Part Two win the whole thing. Um, what do you guys think of this list, and what do you think of the Joysticks Awards? I think the Joystick Awards are a lot more fun than the Game Awards, but that's just me. That's just me. Okay, interesting, interesting enough. All right, uh, moving on. Um, some famous footballers are thinking that EA could be illegally profiting from their names and likenesses on FIFA. Now... Um, a few, a few, actually, two players came out on Twitter and said, "Who gave FIFA the right or the permissions to use my name and face? I'm not aware to be a member of the FIFA Pro community, and I am, or if, and if I am, I was put in there without any real knowledge through some weird maneuver. And for sure, I never allowed FIFA or FIFA Pro to make money using me. Somebody is making profit off my name and face without any agreement all these years. Time to investigate," he says. And then a guy from Wales International said, "Interesting. What is FIFA?" a pro time to investigate um so both these people um claim that they aren't aware that fifa is using their likeliness and stuff like that especially in like the ultimate team modes but in a twist uh people came out and showed them that they were on covers of games and then they are also chosen as the fifa player of the year respectively this one guy from wales was actually on the cover of fifa 14 and of course the uh, EA Sports Player of the Month in December was Imbrahmiak, who was the first person who we talked about. And he was also photographed on a physical copy of the Ultimate Team uh, version of FIFA 17. So how they did not know that they were a part of the FIFA thing, uh, no one will ever know. Um, people uh, also 27% of EA's total revenue for previous fiscal years are all about this uh, about FIFA games. 
Um, essentially, EA came out in a statement and said, We are aware of discussions around licensing of players in EA Sports FIFA. The current situation being played out on social media is an attempt to draw FIFA 21 into a dispute between a number of third parties and has to do little with EA Sports. To be very clear, we have con contractual rights to include the likeliness of all players currently in our game. As already stated, we acquired these licenses directly from leagues, teams, and individual players. In addition, we work with FIFA Pro to ensure we can include as many players as we can try to create the most authentic game. In these instances, our rights to player likeness are granted through our club agreement with AC Million and our long-standing exclusive partnership with the Premier League, which includes all players for Tottenham Hotspur. And to further go, FIFA Pro came out in a statement and said, In light of the recent media reports, FIFA Pro wishes to clarify the manner in which it obtains the image rights of players and its roles in defending the employment rights of professional footballers worldwide. FIFA Pro, a not-for-profit organization, acquires image rights via player union in nearly 60 countries. These rights are made available to electronic arts and other clients in the video game industry. FIFA Pro's relationship with the video game companies complements separate agreements they directly agree Agree with clubs, leagues, governing bodies, and individual players. FIFA Pro members union. FIFA Pro member unions decide how best to use their revenue generated, either by distributing funds directly among players or providing services in kind such as legal advice, second career planning, and mental and physical assistance. FIFA Pro is reaching out to the players and their re representation that have recently raised concerns so we can address their questions. As the COVID-19 pandemic severely impacts the football industry, we are proud of our member unions for having supported tens of thousands of footballers around the world. Whew. And also, they continue to say that Mino... Rio Rayola is a respected player representative who we have partnered with for many years, including this year when our relationship ensured that his client, Erling Haaland, would be part of the FIFA 21 marketing campaign. We have also enjoyed a great working relationship with um, Zlatan Raunfrank, <laughs> who appeared on every FIFA since 2002 and regularly receives awards as part of our, um, our FUT experience, which is the ultimate team. Gareth Bale's esports company Eleven utilizes our FIFA games as a key platform for his professional esports athletes, and we're confident Gareth and his team see significant value in our partnership, as evidenced through his recently released content. So essentially, EA slapped back, and so did FIFA Pro, and I think they make good points. Uh, I know I like to shit on these games a lot, and I like to shit on EA a lot. But I have to agree with them here. If there's something to dispute with between the player and the game, it's in that middle management that they have, that that, rep, that rep representative who either had them sign the contract without going over exactly what was in it, or never even got around to telling them. And I think that th these players going after FIFA Pro and EA is is not the best option for them. They should they should try and figure out where it you know something happened that they didn't realize but then again as i already mentioned people came out right away and were like hey you were on the cover of this game you were in the promotional material for this game you obviously know about fifa and also the other guy was named the player of the month for you know a lot of times this one guy's been on the game since 2002 that's that's almost 20 years and he doesn't know about FIFA or anything like that. It's it's bull I think that these guys are just trying to get a little extra dinero, if you know what I'm saying. And more power to them. I mean, their likeliness is in the game. They're very respected in the football community. I'm sure Player 2 knows all about it. Um, and I think that in this case, I think EA and this FIFA thing, this non not-for-profit, uh, allegedly, FIFA organization... 
um, isn't in the wrong here. Um, but let me know what you think in my Discord, or, uh, you know, let me know what you think, because it's a gray area for me personally, and I'm not a huge fan of FIFA, but I know uh, from playing, like, Madden games and stuff like that, the players are very involved with Madden. They they have their likeliness scanned into the game, and they, 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 they are... Um, I don't know if they're compensated for the games, but, you know, I think it's a part of, like, the NFL agreement that they, they have to have their faces and images in the game or, or something like that. They can opt out, of course, like Bill Belichick does every year. Um, but, uh, hey, you know, uh, it, it might be a little bit different for the FIFA, but it seems like it's almost the same thing. Um, but it look, but actually, no, it's not almost the same thing because they have to go to each country, 60 countries, and get the okay to use their likeliness in these games and if if the players are just willy-nilly signing a contract they don't know what it's about that's more so on the on the player for not reading it or not looking into it more and uh i mean they have the right to try and and do something about it but i think that in the end in the end it's the it's not gonna matter let's move on uh, Sony has been going around and banning PS5 owners for exploiting the PlayStation Store collection. Essentially, people have been have been selling access to the 30-plus games in the PlayStation collection for about $8. Um, they've been giving them unlimited access to the, to the games. Essentially, each one of these people, over 50 clients... Um, have been banned on the PS5 for doing such a thing. And as for the, um, the people who bought the the thing they will get a two-month ban and of course their their access to the games will be revoked the seller is getting a permanent ban across all playstation platforms um of course they could still crop back up but i think this is going to deter them a little bit the, the playstation collection is a great idea and for people to just go out there and be like i'm gonna steal it it's like okay come on most of these games are worth like 10 bucks anyways in the bin so it's like why 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 does it even matter at this point but yeah, so, oh, I'm sorry, it's 20 games, not 30 games, I apologize, but that that that's the main thing here, um, these people selling access to their PS5 in order to allow other accounts to redeem the games and enjoy them on their PS4 or their PS5s, um, and, and most of this happened in Malaysia and Japan, um, and those people have, of course, been permanent banned, I'm sure that they will continue to do so until the end of time. <laughs> All right, official Ghost of Tsushima action figure is about to be released. That's right, from Sucker Punch. Or I'm sorry, Sucker Punch has revealed an official Jin Saki action figure, the protagonist from Ghost of Tsushima. Um, he's 6.1 inch collectible. He's fully posable and packed with detail. It even comes with an assortment of different weapons like a bow and arrow, swords, katanas, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's crafted by Japanese Figma specialist Good Smile Company, and it's going to be released on August in August of 2021. It's going to be about $100 or 10,000 yen, and you can actually pre-order it now if you want to on their website. It's a very detailed figure, and, the, and it actually is pretty, pretty posable. Not only can you have him in a few different stances, like wielding his blade, his bow and arrow, his double swords, and stuff like that. Um, it looks like you can do a lot of different things with him. It's very detailed from what I see in these pictures. There's a bunch of different hands that you can put on him, and a few. And actually, he has two different heads you can place on him: one with the mask and one without the mask. Um, if you want to look into that, just make sure you do that. I'm sure it's on Square, not Square Enix. I'm sorry, Sucker Punch's website for more details or the Good Smile Company, if you're so inclined. All right, so Cyberpunk has revealed that they are planning some DLC for after release. They're they're hoping that multiplayer is going to come in quarter one of 2021, and then more DLC. 
will follow. Um, the game is still supposed to launch on the 10th of December. Of course, I'll keep you updated until that eventually happens. Um, and of course, the developer has confirmed that the Cyberpunk multiplayer project will be arriving early next year. As part of the company's Q3 earnings call, picked up by Video Game Chronicle, President and Joint CEO Adam Krasinski said, The initial plan was to do it before release, but after the recent delay, we decided to wait for the release to provide gamers with the, with the game and then start talking about future projects. He then went on to state that multiplayer news will be arriving during quarter one of 2021, and the project said to be entirely standalone from Cyberpunk 2077 itself. Lots of stuff is going to go on CG Project Red, including a... Um, Oh, including the including the multiplayer uh, DLC that's going to be coming out. Um, so yeah, I mean, whew, the multi it might, this might be a, a, a completely standalone cyberpunk like add-on that you can play without the original game. Honestly, it's probably it, it might just be like a basic first-person shooter. Who knows? CD Projekt Red really has never done like a multiplayer aspect to the game through all the Witchers and and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this and whether it's just going to be like either, hey, you can join your friend in the game or, hey, you can go 1v1 in the pit. I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. And it sounds like they're going to be working on some actual story DLC as well with the game. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been updated to patch 1.004, out now on the PS5, PS4, Xbox, and all those things. Lots of improvements to the game, including improvements to the graphics and performance. Um, on the PS5, you can now choose between graphics setting or, um, resol- I'm sorry, uh, resolution, I'm sorry, performance options. You can choose to even do, either do performance or visual quality, okay? Um, whew, okay. If you choose performance mode, it'll adapt the resolution and graphics settings to maintain 60 FPS. If you use quality mode, it'll run maximum resolution and graphics settings while maintaining 30 FPS. There's also been a few fixes to the VFX and the balancing of gear, performance and stability, save games. Uh, not look, um, they've, they've made sure to uh, let you know what's a cloud save and what's a save on the console. Um, they also did a bunch of stuff with some, uh, world issues, combat and AI issues. I mean, the list is, is really, really long. User interface improvements, raid improvements, photo mode improvements, and all overall system improvements. If you want to read the list, it's all on Ubisoft's website, or you can go to pushsquare.com and see the full list for yourselves. Sounds like a lot of good stuff in here, and hopefully it, it, it helps the PS4 version a little bit, even though it works pretty well. Um, if you guys didn't know, the PS5 will record your microphone when you get a trophy if you have the video option turned on for trophies. Um, one person on Reddit found out in a pretty funny way. He was playing Demon Souls, and he beat the boss a boss for the first time, and he was yelling and in and, and, and excitement, and essentially it captured that moment with the PS5's, you know, trophy thing. So unlike the PS4, which just takes a snapshot, PS5 will actually record a bit of the gameplay during and a little bit after and a little bit before the trophy pops. And I guess it also will turn on the microphone on the best built into your computer in order to get your what you're saying also as well. I'm sure most of these things will just be like no noise at all or, you know, ambient noise. But it's kind of interesting of course, if you don't want this setting on, you can turn it off. You can turn off videos because it will take up a lot of storage space for all those little like 30 second videos or 10 second videos or whatever adding up, especially if a game has a lot of trophies uh, and they're easy to do. Um, so that's just a, just, a, just a little FYI to all you trophy hunters out there. Um, moving on. Greedfall is coming to the PS5 and it's getting an expansion as well. 
Uh, Greedfall came out last year on the PS4, um, and uh, right now there's no, there's not a lot of details on when the enhanced version will go up, like a release date or whatever, um, but they did come out and tell us that, hey, Greedfall will become the PS5 with a new expansion as well. Um, no information on what the expansion is going to entail. Obviously, if you haven't played Greedfall, Greedfall yet, it's almost like a JRPG with Mass Effect style stuff to it. I got through the first whole section of the game and kind of fell out of it for whatever reason. Um, maybe because there was a lot more games coming out or it was during that time where I was kind of in a slump with, with longer games. That's besides the point. Um, it was a good game and I feel like more people should play it. Um, but just it's good to know that it will be getting a PS5 version. There's no details on whether if you own the PS4 version, are you going to get a PS5 version for free or anything like that. I just wanted to let you guys know because I'm interested in this game and it was an interesting experience for what I played. Um, and, and maybe the PS5 version is going to be a better version and hopefully that expansion is a pretty good expansion as well. Speaking of more DLC news... Cuphead's Delicious Last Course is, is now going to be released in 2021. Uh, essentially, uh, Cuphead came out in 2018, and they announced that there was going to be DLC for it in 2018. And now, all the way in 2020 now, they're saying that, hey, it's in the almost in the final stages of being developed. The team came out and explained that it won't settle for the final chapter to be anything less than their best work. Um, they want to meet the standards that for an extremely challenging that are extremely challenging for them amid the global pandemic it has also affected many other of the developers they also added rather than com compromise our vision to respond in response to covid we've made the difficult decision to push back the release um they said they also came out and said we know how many people have been waiting to return to inkwell isles and our goal is to make the trip back then back there next year a truly magical one um Obviously, the biggest new, big news from Cuphead was that it came out on. It's pretty much out on all the systems now. It first came to Nintendo, and then it came to Steam, and then it finally landed on um, on, on PlayStation, uh, which is which it was great. Um, a lot of people, trophy hunters in general, were were very happy about that because it's a challenging platinum to get. Um, but this is the delicious last course. I'm not sure exactly what's going to entail. We all know that there's a new character in the mix, um, but they haven't really revealed much about it yet, uh, from what I remember. I suppose when the uh, release comes a little bit closer, they will they would tell us more details. All right, coming soon to a Fall Guys near you. Fall Guys season three is going to take everyone to a winter wonderland. So the Fall Guys Twitter came out in a in a in a pretty uh, great way of doing so, and they sent bits of puzzle pieces to big creators in their community. And essentially, they had all the creators combine their puzzle pieces to make the picture for the next season, which is going to be a winter wonderland, including penguins and new courses and snowmen and etc. etc. Now, there's no real information about what is going to be in it right now but they said it's going to be called fall guys winter knockout and uh there's going to be new levels new challenges new costumes new emotes and obviously um probably new playlists and stuff like that that come around with it the puzzle idea was really cool and that's why i think that fall guys should win like the social media thing from the game awards because they've really been on point whether it was through the outages and early struggles with the servers to now where they're just kind of having fun they're they're doing lots of fun things almost like the ukulele people platonic games they've been doing a lot of fun stuff on their twitter as well i recommend following them both especially if you're a fan of their games <laughs> All right, the games for PlayStation Plus in December have been announced, and they are uh, Worms Rumble, which I believe is only coming to the PS5, um, or will be available on the PS5, and then also for the PS4, Just Cause 4, and Rocket Arena. 
Uh, Worms Rumble is Battle Royale. Not sure exactly what it's going to be all about. Uh, Just Cause 4 is a okay game that's not as good as the third installment. Um, it's definitely not as good as the second installment. Uh, but it's a okay game. And then Rocket Arena, I've never played, but I think it's like a massive multiplayer game that came out. Uh, I think it came out this year, honestly. And I think that it flopped pretty hardcore. Yeah, 2020 it came out from EA. So, yeah, you know, uh, can't wait for... Yeah, just kidding. Don't care. Uh, but Just Cause 4 is probably the cream of the crop from this collection. I already have it on Epic Store when it was free on Epic Store, but I'm probably going to pick it up on PS4 too. I remember, I think I actually bought a physical version of this game and never played it. Or I played a little bit of it. I watched Maz play a little bit of it. I mean, it's one of those games that I was going to play. <laughs> I like I like Just Cause 3, but yeah, whatever. All right, <clears throat> Metro Exodus. Speaking of... Um, PS5 versions for games. Metro Exodus is going to be getting a PS5 version, and also the developers have, from 4A Games said that there is another game in development already. So, uh, 4A Games announced that Metro Exodus will be coming to the PS5 in the next year, and it will have a free upgrade for existing owners of the game on PS4. They will pack enhancements for both the resolution, frame rate, and more. Separately, the Ukrainian team also confirms it is hard at work on the next entry for the Metro franchise. It will include a multiplayer mode developed in partnership with Saber Interactive, but the team assures fans that the online offerings will be in a fit will be in fitting with the post-apocalyptic universe. It won't be a box-ticking cash grab. Um, so Metro Exodus on the PS5, uh, they said it will be fully optimized for the next generation and po more powerful PCs. They're quoted as saying, while we can't share the details, all the details just yet, you should expect major enhancements to including faster frame rate, increased resolution, reduced load times, and stunning ray tracing features made possible by the new hardware. They also said that they are working on a new single-player experience along with the multiplayer experience on the next game. They said, as a studio, we want to consistently push ourselves to create bigger and better games, but we also we but we also listen to what the fans are saying, and we know what's important to you. We take our responsibility to the franchise seriously, and we think you'll be excited about the plans for the next chapter. The new game will run on an overhauled engine and take advantage of everything the PS5 has to offer, including that all-important... SSD. I'm excited. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Metro series. Uh, the first game's good. The second game's great. And Metro Exodus was was pretty good. I wasn't a, as big of a fan of it, but I still enjoyed the game. Um, and I, I think that the next, if it's gonna, if it's truly gonna be like a next gen version of Metro, I think we're in for a real treat because even though Metro Exodus was good, I felt like it was lacking some of the more better, some of those nuances from this, from the PS4 generation. I can't say this generation anymore because the next generation is already here. Um, but I think that the next gen boost boost is gonna give Metro Exodus um, a, a, a you know a better a better gameplay. And I think the next game in the series is probably going to be pretty good. Now, the multiplayer mode is a little bit intriguing to me. I don't know if I wholeheartedly want a multiplayer mode because Metro Exodus or the Metro series has always had like a really good story to it. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Okay, Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, the online mode is being delayed to 2021. Um, essentially, in a post by Ubisoft, 
The French publisher said, As part of the, our commitment to fixing the game's issues in single player, we've decided to delay the online mode for Watch Dogs Legion to early 2021. This will allow us to focus on fixing issues with single player, and it will give us more time to test the online experience to help ensure a smooth launch of the mode. Um, this update is also going to replace the patches, um, will be replaced with patches to improve performance and squash further bugs and glitches. Watch Dogs Legion has been an incredible journey for us, and our team is working hard to make the very best experience that it can be. Um, so, <clears throat> folks, I mean, I haven't played a lot of Watch Dogs Legions yet. I played a little bit, <clears throat> and I haven't really noticed any, like, major gameplay issues, but... I mean, obviously, people are having some problems if they're ha if they're having to focus on the single player and then move the multiplayer off. Um, but the multiplayer was supposed to be like four player co co op, and there was supposed to be invasion modes and stuff like that, and was supposed to arrive next week. Um, there's no word whether the delay is going to affect the season pass owners for the content released during that. It's hard to say, um, but it's nice that they came out and were public about it, unlike usual Ubisoft practice where they're like, oh, I don't know, it's broken. Oopsie. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know it was broken, they say, as they have all the wires in their hands and they're afraid. <laughs> Speaking of online modes, Red Dead Online is going to be a standalone version next week, and it is going to be digital only. Um, so starting December 1st, 2020, you'll be able to purchase Red Dead Online as a standalone project separate from Red Dead 2. From, th from December 1st until the 15th of February, 2021, it's going to cost you $5.00. And after this, uh, after February fifteenth, it will raise to twenty dollars. The download is going to be one hundred and twenty-three gigabytes for either the PlayStation Five or Four, um, and the and there will be an option to purchase the game story mode if you wish to do that. Rockstar's blog, they came out and said for the first time, new players who do not already own Red Dead 2 can experience everything Red Dead Online has to offer, including the access to the future of to all future content updates. Um, which includes specialist roles, story-based missions, and showdown modes, which will make up for some beefy content offering. Mmm, yes. Um, they didn't say anything about doing a Grand Theft Auto V online-only mode. As you guys know, Grand Theft Auto V is going to be uh, ported to the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Um, but, uh, you know, they haven't said anything right now as of this episode. Hitman, hit the hit, hit, Hitman. Hitman 3 is going to Asia. They revealed a brand new level uh, on the Hitman 3 official YouTube account, just called Hitman. They in this video they they did they, they did a lot of in-depth things about the, like the construction of the levels, how they're improving the AI, and how they're able to put more NPCs on the screen. And the game is looking really, really good. Um, I think that some of the lighting effects needs a little work, of course. Uh, but I, this is obviously pre, you know, pre you know this is like beta mode stuff or whatever early alpha stuff um but they came out with this video they showed off uh maybe they didn't really show off a lot of the level of it i guess you could say which is a little bit misleading in the title um but they did show off a lot about how they're working on building these new places and and, and, and adventures and stuff like that now i have not really been a huge fan of the hitman series i have yet to play the hitman 2 game that came out uh, i don't know last year or whatever two years ago um, but this this does intrigue me, especially how they're working on that 007 project, which I talked about last week. Um, so yeah, they're saying that it's going to run at 60 frames per second with 4K resolution and HDR support. Um, and both Hitman 1 and 2, the reboots, will, will do the same on the current gen console after they do an update for those two games in January. Uh, remember that this game, Hitman 3, is coming in, on the 20th of January. 
2021. Um, and they, of course, say, hey, if you want the best, you know, if you want to get it right away, uh, go ahead and pre-order that. The deluxe edition of the game is pretty beefy, I guess. Um, it comes with a Trinity pack. So there's a red, white, and black tuxedo. Uh, yeah, like a tuxedo you can get for the main character. You'll also get deluxe suits and items, including a digital soundtrack, a director commentary for mission introductions, a digital art book, and deluxe escalations, which I think make the game harder, if I remember correctly. So yeah, there you go. Kind of cool. Um, Marvel Spider-Man. You'll be able to. You're actually able to transfer your PS4 saves to your PS5, which is available now. Um, the recent update for the game has enabled that option. So if you uh, go to your cloud saves, you can download your progress from the save selection screen, and you'll be all good to go. All your trophies will pop. So if you're a trophy hunter, that's good news for you. And you'll even be able to get the new bonus ones if you manage to fulfill the requirements on the PS4 save. Unfortunately, you will need the original game to complete your transfer. So if you already sold your old copy of Spider-Man, you're kind of out of luck. You'll need to use the PS5 backwards compatibility to upload your save to the servers, but you don't necessarily need to have your PS4 hooked up in order to do that. Um, so if you want to do that, you can do that now. It's a good idea for people who, you know, they, they want to experience it in New Game Plus or whatever, or, you know, New Game Plus Plus but they don't feel like playing through the entire game with without all their enhancements, you know? In the same vein of things, Cyberpunk came out and said that you will be able to transfer your saves from PS4 to PS5 at launch. Um, the developers have outlined three ways to transfer your save data. Connect your PlayStation Plus account and upload your saves. Transfer your data via a LAN cable or wireless connection. Or use the compatible storage device to copy and transfer your saves to the same PSN account on a PS5, kind of like with a USB or something like that. Um... Yeah, so that that's good news that you'll be able to do that from the get go, especially if this game if this game God forbid knock on wood if it does get delayed again, um, there's gonna be a lot of people playing it on older generation consoles and they're gonna want you pick up from where they left off on the new consoles that they might already have. I don't personally have a new one, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but that's good news that it's gonna be available at the beginning. Hopefully, it's not wonky like some of these other releases have been. <laughs> um. Hotshot Racing, uh, I talked about this uh, earlier in the year. Um, it's getting a free DLC pack, which is actually available now as of Tuesday. Uh, they came out and said that the DLC is called the Big Boss DLC, and it's a, it's free of it's actually free to all players. It brings in a bunch of new content to the game with new tracks and a new Grand Prix. Another major addition is the new mode named Barrel Brigade, which has you racing while avoiding exploding barrels, which will be dropped by your competitors. Um, new tracks and stuff like that. You can see them all on the Curve Digital YouTube channel. Uh, Hotshot Racing is a fun little action, you know, arcade game. Um, I, like, I, if you want to know more about my thoughts on it, obviously you can go back in time and listen to a podcast that has that in there. Um, for me personally, I do recommend it to the people who like arcade racers. It's kind of like a has like a burnout feel to it, but also a lot more arcade, I guess you could say. But hey, you know, it was, it was a fun game. It's definitely worth the price tag. And finally for today, Warplanes World War One Sky Aces is coming to the Switch and other platforms. I believe other platforms. No, actually just the Switch. 
next month. This is the follow-up to the World War II game that they released of, of kind of like the same name. Um, but essentially, it's kind of like uh, Blazing Angels, if you ever if you ever seen that. Um, the graphics don't look amazing, obviously, but if you like that arcade, plane fighting style, um, this may be a game that you want to look into. Obviously, it's World War I game uh, planes. There's over 30 planes to choose from, and this will be available on the 11th of December, so it is, um, it is fighting with uh, Cyberpunk, so... <laughs> Uh, you can fly the, the the Red Baron in this, um, stuff like that. Major parts of the war, blah, 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 blah. It looks kind of fun, arcade-like, and it's going to be available for $10 on the eShop if you do so desire. Okay, um, I think that's it for today, huh? We, uh, we had a lot to talk about today. Well, I mean, not, like, not a lot, a lot. Ooh, excuse me, again. But, um... It was uh, it was a big discussion about the Last of Us, and I uh, I, uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. I I put a lot of heart and a lot of heart and soul into that. Um, so uh, thanks for listening. Um, I do appreciate anyone who listened to this. Uh, if you want to check out any of my other podcasts, uh, Film Freaks with a Z comes out every other week. Um, this last episode that we recorded, we're talking about Scary Movie 3. Uh, the one before that was Master and Commander. Um, so if you want to listen to those, they're available on the podcast platforms and YouTube. If you want to join me on Twitch, I play through a lot of games. And right now we're playing through Super Mario Galaxy for the first time ever. And we're playing with Player 2 and Wayne on Borderlands 2 on Saturdays. Um, it's P2's first playthrough of Borderlands 2 all the way. I believe. Um, you can check me out on Twitch. I stream Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and if I ever change things, of course, my Discord is the one number one place to, to contact me. Number two place, at YummyTheFerret on Twitter if you want to join me or follow me there. Um, my YouTube channel is a little bit dead right now, but the end of the year stuff is coming up, and I'm going to be doing a lot of lists for different things, so if you want to check me out there, it's just YummyTheFerret on YouTube. Um, and other than that, uh, like I said, new contest starting up December 1st, so by the time that this is out, uh, that, that will uh, probably already be started if you're listening to this, um, on December 1st. Anyways, I'm Yui the Ferret, thank you very much for listening to this episode, wherever you're listening to it on, and I appreciate you, and I hope to see you guys next time. Have a great week, Bye bye